We're in this series, The Power to, and then every week we'll find out what, why God gave us the Holy Spirit and gave us the power to be His witnesses and what we're going to be able to do with that power. And uh, won't hit it all, but we'll start this now. But in Acts chapter 1, because, look, we have to be a Pentecostal church, right? We believe in the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. So then um, God has done that for a reason. We need to walk in that reason. We need to walk in why God gave us the Holy Spirit. I mean, Jesus did everything that he did so that we could have the Holy Spirit. But then we don't do much with the Holy Spirit. And so that's why I want to stir you up with this. Acts chapter 1 verse 4. This is Jesus speaking. He says, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. And so John is talking about the baptism of salvation, of repentance uh, with Jesus. But Jesus says that he's come that we might be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then verse 8, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so we have to understand, and I'm trusting that we're getting this, the Holy Spirit gives us what we need, and we need the power to become His witnesses. And um, so we have to understand, without the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we will not become His witnesses. If we don't give ourselves, if we don't surrender ourselves to the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we are not going to be the witnesses that God has called us to be. Because you can't be His witness without His power, and His power comes from the Holy Spirit. And yet we have tried to live the Christian life in our own strength, and our own wisdom, doing our own thing, without even consulting God. And God has a higher standard for us. His ways are not our ways. Thank God. But he invites us up to his ways. Whoo, that's good. I'm so glad God does it. So without an ongoing intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, we can't be his witnesses. And um, you will live a life frustrated. And then we've learned that there's a lot of process that goes on. There's a lot of time that is taking place from us receiving the Holy Spirit and receiving the power and becoming His witnesses because there's going to be a lot of things in life that come our way and they're going to challenge us. But God says, if you'll stay the course and you listen to the Holy Spirit and follow Him and, and trust in God's Word, then you're going to become His witnesses. But, you know, I know we don't believe that because as soon as something happens to us, we start crying, God, why are you letting this happen to me? I thought you loved me. You know, and I say that all the time because we have to get it. Even though something bad happens to you, he still loves you. And, you know, one of the first workings of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to get us to know and understand that God loves us. Now, look. Don't try and figure out why he does. I spent plenty of years trying to figure out why he loved me. And I had a re list of reasons why he shouldn't. Just throw it away. 
Just enjoy the fact that he loves you. His ways are higher. Nobody understands why he loves you. Trust me. So his first work is to convince us of the love that God has for us so that no matter what what we walk through, no matter what the difficulties are that come our way, we we don't start complaining to God and say, you know, God, I thought you loved me. He loves us. You know, we have that little petal thing with the flowers and we keep pulling them off. God, he loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. When things are going good, you pull it off. He loves me. When things are going bad, you pull it off. He doesn't love me. Yes, he does. If you're going to pick the petals off the flower, just keep saying, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. No matter what season you're in. Knowing that he loves us brings us the security that we need for our lives. And in the past few weeks, we looked at Romans chapter 8 and where Paul says that um, nothing, everybody say nothing, Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So if nothing can separate us, then what Paul is letting us know is there's something that's going to try. There's something that's going to try and separate you from understanding the love that God has for you in Christ Jesus. But Paul says, and then he goes through a list of things and he says, nothing. And then not only does he do that, but then he says that we're at the end, he says that we're more than conquerors through him who loves us. Now, you know, some of us would be happy with just conquering something, but God says his promise is that we're going to be more than conquerors. I like that. Let's just go to the top, God. But look, here's what we Everybody wants to be more than a conqueror. Then God has to place something in your life that you have to overcome. Because he loves you, because he wants you to be more than a conqueror. And so in Romans chapter 8, that's what we learned. And let me remind you of this. Paul is writing to people who are losing their lives because of their faith in Jesus Christ. He's not writing to Christians who have air-conditioned uh, uh, coliseums and shade when they need it. No, he's writing to people who are suffering. They're being tortured because of their faith. They're under the Roman Empire. They're being thrown into prison. And when they really boast about the Lord, then they're getting tossed into the lion's den in the Colosseum. So it's like, you know, he's not talking to people who are having a great time. And then we get all bent out of shape because somebody doesn't greet us right at church. Or somebody sits in our seat. Or whatever. He's not writing to folks like He's writing to people who are suffering. And he says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. No lion's mouth, no nothing. And we're not even close to that. So we shouldn't struggle with, does God love me? Yes, he does. Settle it. Our struggle is, whether God loves us or not, when he doesn't answer our selfish desires. That's really what we get bent out of shape about with God. Because he doesn't do what we think he ought to do, when we think he ought to do it, and how we think he ought to do it. 
And thank God He doesn't answer most of our prayers. Because we pray some of this I can say dumbest, stupidest prayers because we're so self-centered and so self-focused and we want these things rather than God, what are you doing in my life? How, how are you going to... You know, I keep thinking about this during the thing. and It's not in the thing today, but... Um, it, the promise out of Romans 8 is that He takes things and He turns it around for our good, for those who love Him who are called according to His purpose. Then that means, if He's turning the things, that means that what we're facing wasn't good. Because He's turning it for our good. That means we're encountering bad, right? We're encountering something difficult. But yet His promise is that He's going to turn it around for our good. I mean, what an amazing God. So whatever we're going through, whatever season you find your life in, begin to praise God for it. Because He's turning it around for your good if it's not good. If it's good, rejoice. Whew. And then we spent the last two weeks, one looking at the, name, the names of God and how when God reveals an a attribute, a character, or a nature of who He is, that's for us. Today, it wasn't just for them, but it's for us. And then we've looked at the names of Jesus and the names of the Holy Spirit. And to realize that the God of the universe, all of that is living inside of us. And, you know, look, if we were to begin to understand that He's living inside of us, then we would begin to live with purpose and meaning in our lives. And not only that, but we would live with passion in our lives. And some of you go to work like you have a hangover. Like you're miserable. And it's like, oh, wait a minute, how can that be? Aren't you a believer? When you go to work, the light ought to be going before you because the glory of the Lord is before you as well. And He's on you. You know, some of you, you go there and you make your work more miserable. That's not godly. We need a, He's in us, so we should be the people full of the greatest hope, the greatest joy. You know, think about it. When you go to work, God has called you to go to work because He wants to reveal Himself to the people at your work. I can't go to your work. You go to your work. You be Jesus to them. You bring them joy. You bring them hope. Because they need it. And they're looking for it. And they need somebody that has it, that will give it to them. And that's what it is to be His witnesses. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. That's why we spent a whole week on Romans chapter 8. It's just so good. I mean... In, in going through that, I want us to realize that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. And, and I love it when Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You want to know what God is like? Then read about Jesus. Find out what He did. And then go do it because He's in you. Romans 8. Because some of you are saying, well, I ain't Jesus. Well, no, you're not. But He's in you. 
And that's what Romans 8.11 says. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So there's a power that is in us because he's in us. And if he raised Jesus from the dead, he can do something amazing in your life as well if you will let him. Now, if you resist him, it's going to be hard for him. But if you'll just let him, he'll do it. He'll give you life in your mortal bodies. So that means now. You don't have to wait to get to heaven to do great things. You don't need it then. You need him now. And I, you don't have to turn there. I got two more that I'm going to give you and then we'll get into this. But John 16, 7. 7, John 16, 7. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Because it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Do you know what he's saying there? You need help. And he says, but I'm going to send the helper to you. And he says, but in order for the Holy Spirit to come, I have to go away. Because Jesus was only in one place at one time. And he did great things when he was in that one place at that one time. But now, just think of it. Jesus is in every believer. So where every believer goes, Jesus is there. Isn't that amazing? He's not constricted to his own physical body. He's in our bodies. So wherever we go, he's there. How awesome is that? And Jesus, in, in, oh, he says it's to our advantage. So then let's take advantage of the advantage he gives us. Take advantage of the Holy Spirit. And that's not being a negative thing. That's a positive thing. Let him work in you. Let him change you. And when you have this understanding, is it, we don't have to be rocket scientists to figure out the enemy is going to try and downplay the Holy Spirit in you. He, first, he's going to try and keep you ignorant of the Holy Spirit in you. And if he can't do that, he's going to try and get you to downplay the Holy Spirit in you. Because he knows that if the Holy Spirit ever comes alive in you, he's done. He's not going to be able to do the things to you that he's been doing. Ah. <sighs> Think about this. The more that we're in the dark about the Holy Spirit and His working in us, the more we stay in the dark and in the bondage of the enemy. Hmm. And so the Holy Spirit is the game changer for us. He enables us, you know. Enabling's a bad thing, but in this case, it's a good thing. He enables us to change. He's there to help us to change. And to change from darkness to light, from bondage to freedom, from victim and victimhood, which to victorious. You know, some of you love your victimhood so much that you can't see the victory. You would rather be a victim the rest of your life than be victorious. And 
having that mindset means you are not in touch with the Holy Spirit and God's Word. Sorry to burst your bubble on that. You don't have to get mad at me. Just say, amen, That's he's talking about me. You know, I'm going to share another favorite scripture, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure, and this treasure is the Holy Spirit. In jars of clay to show that the surpassing power. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to have power to be my witnesses. And Paul's saying, but we have this treasure, the Holy Spirit, in jars of clay to show that their surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. You know, we're so self-centered, we make it about us, and it's not. It's about Him. It's about His working in us. And here's the first power to that the Holy Spirit gives us that we're going to talk about. It's not the first, but it's one of the first. When we understand the love that God has for us, when, when we begin to get in a proper perspective of that, then we have the power to be forgiven. We have the power to be forgiven. What an awesome gift that God has given us. Do you realize that the God of the universe, the God who is perfect, the God of who is complete holy, who there is no sin near him, about him, or anything, and he offers forgiveness to us? Wow. What an incredible gift that God has for us, that He's given us through Jesus Christ. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ, in His sacrifice, not only do we acknowledge the love that God has for us, but we acknowledge the forgiveness that He gives us. And that forgiveness is a free gift. Here's the struggle. When we refuse to forgive ourselves, we're refusing to walk in the love that He has for us. Here's, and I'm just speaking from practical experience, and I know that since I'm human and you're human, you have the same issue. It's usually much easier for us to forgive somebody else than it is to forgive ourselves. And yet we have to come to the place where we forgive ourselves. And I just want to encourage you, if, if you don't, then what you're saying is, is, God, your love isn't for me. And I know nobody wants to say that in here. Because without understanding his love, there's no receiving his forgiveness. Because his love is demonstrated in Jesus. In Romans chapter 5, 
You can turn there, Romans chapter 5, because we're going to look at a few of them there. Verse 6. You see, this is God demonstrating His love for us. Okay, This is how God showed us that He loves us. And it's not based on what we've done for Him or what we could do for Him or what we hope to do for Him or our good intentions to do for Him. It's not based on that. It's based on this. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us. Alright, so this is the demonstration of it. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay? That's the bottom line. And again, I, I just want to refresh your memory, and there's more in this in just a second. This is all while we were still weak, while we were ungodly, and while we were still sinners. So you were at your lowest point, and God said, even though this is who you are, I want you to know that I love you. He shows us that He loves us. And if He loves us that much, then we need to walk in the forgiveness that He's offered us through that demonstration. It says, because Christ died for us. He gave Himself for us. So, it's not about forgiving others, even though that is a, a part of the equation, but we first have to apply it to our own lives. And we have to learn to forgive ourselves. How many of you in here, you don't have to show your hands, because we already know the truth, have made a mistake? We all have. We all need to be forgiven. I don't care how long you've been a Christian, how great of a Christian you've been, how bad a Christian you've been. You need forgiveness. And what I so appreciate about God is, is He offers that to us. And just think about it, when we couldn't save ourselves, when we couldn't make ourselves right before God, He who is perfect became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. What a wonderful exchange. And we need to learn to rejoice in that. Because um, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, and don't turn there, stay in Romans chapter 5. Stay in Romans because I'm just going to touch on this. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, for our sake he made him, in other words, God made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God did this. Jesus was willing to do this for us. That we might become the righteousness of God. That we might be forgiven. And so we need to learn to rejoice in this. Look at your neighbor and say, thank God I'm forgiven. Alright, look at your other neighbor and say, thank God you're forgiven too. Forgiveness is such a powerful gift, tool, weapon that God gives us. I think I shared last week, if it wasn't, it was recently, how you know you're forgiven after three months if you've really walked with God and you've forgiven or been saved, then, you know, then the enemy starts coming to you and he challenges you, you know, on your side. 
And, and this is one of the things, well, you're not forgiven. God doesn't forgive you. Oh, He doesn't? So if you get that question, know that you're forgiven. All right? All right, back to Romans chapter 5. We just read some good stuff. We're going to read some more good stuff in verse 9. We read 6, 7, and 8, now 9. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by His blood, much more. Everybody say much more. Whoo, you ready for this? Much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. Isn't that awesome? Since we have been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. Which means that we're not going to incur His anger. We're delivered from that. Verse 10. And listen to these words. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, if I say much more, much more now, if I say now, because, you know, sometimes we just get into this fantasy land and we think it's going to be later on when we get to heaven. No, he says now, much more now, if I say much more now, that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Now, one was by his death, reconciled, now we're by his death, now we're reconciled and saved by his life. Verse 11, more than that. Everybody say more than that. <laughs> I mean, is Paul on a roll here or what? Much more, much more, more than that. We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. In other words, we're made one with him. We're, we're reconciled with him. We're not hostile with him. He's, he's not hostile with, with us. We're not his enemies. He's not angry with us. Whew. This all happened as we place our faith in Jesus Christ and we receive his forgiveness. This is the great news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we are forgiven and that forgiveness means no wrath. But it also means much more than that. And more than that. And so Paul's telling us we need to be rejoicing in this. Verse 11, more than that, we also rejoice in God. So look at your neighbor and say, I'm rejoicing that I'm saved. All right, now the other one, say it. Say it to somebody else. You need to get this in you. We need to be rejoicing in this. Turn with me to Luke chapter 4, please. Luke chapter 4. What would happen if you went to work knowing that you were forgiven? It could be changing. Changing you, changing your thought process. And then that'll eventually begin to work over into your workplace or whatever you have to do. If we don't walk in the forgiveness 
that God offers, we walk in bondage, in darkness. And Jesus came to free us from the world and from the lies of it, including the bondage that comes from not being forgiven. And so in Luke chapter 4, we're going to find ourselves in verse 16. Luke 4, 16. And this is after his temptation in the wilderness and he passed that and then it comes to Luke 4, 16. And he came, he, Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, when I read this, I want us to understand, and, and here's the question, aren't you glad that God doesn't leave us in a mess? He doesn't leave us as he found us. It says that the spirit of the Lord was upon him and anointed him to do these things. And I want you to know that same spirit is in us if we have received Jesus Christ. And so he has called us to do the same thing. And so I want you to see, first of all, he hasn't called us to stay in our mess. He hasn't called us to stay in our bondage, our captivity, our stupidity. He hasn't called us to stay in that. There's so many people who... They gather around themselves people who are just like them, who are a mess and who won't give themselves truly to God to get out of their mess. It's like they they're in a pit and they find somebody who was in a like pit and then they all get in the same pit together and then they're miserable because they're all in the same pit. Well, that doesn't do you any good. And that's not what God called you called us to do to get in one of each other's pit. He's called us to get out of the pit. To. To set us free. And part of that is being forgiven. I'm so glad that God doesn't save me and then expect me to fend for myself and figure things out on my own. I'm thankful that He gave me the Holy Spirit who will be there to lead me and guide me and help me. <coughs> he gives us salvation so that we can receive the Holy Spirit. And that same Holy Spirit anointed Jesus to preach good news to the poor. And so we have the same responsibility. The same Holy Spirit that sent, Je that sent Jesus to proclaim liberty to the captives and sight to the, to the blind lives in us. And so we have the same power because we have the same Holy Spirit in us. And we have the ability to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And when he's talking about this, He's not just necessarily talking about physical things like physical blindness, physical captivity, though that is a possibility. But he's talking really spiritually. Those who have been bound up by the enemy, those who have lost their way, who have never been able to see their sight. God says through Jesus Christ and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we have the ability. He had the ability to do it. And if he's living inside of you, we have the ability to do it. And so there's more to being saved than just going to heaven. And so, turn with me to the book of John, if you will. Chapter 14. 
As we close, I want us to ask some questions. What are we doing with the power of the Holy Spirit in us? I mean, is he a nothing to us? Is he, you know. What are you as an individual doing with the power of the Holy Spirit in you? One of my frustrating things is, is we have people who know how to Google things, but we don't have people know people who know how to ask the Holy Spirit things. I mean, Google's a great tool, but you know what? The Holy Spirit's a better tool. And yet, we don't ask the Holy Spirit. We don't ask Him. We have the God of the universe living in us, and we don't take advantage of that. When we are struggling, do you think the Holy Spirit can help us out through our struggle and give us insight? Yeah, okay, y'all are shaking your head yes. Then let me ask you a question. Do you ask him for it, babe? Carrie so many times encourages us to ask the Holy Spirit, what are you doing? You know, and, and ask the Holy Spirit for help. Ask the Holy Spirit for insight. And we need to develop that in our own life. Don't wait for her to encourage you to do that. Do it yourself. Maybe right now you're in a struggle to forgive yourself. You can ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom and help in that. God, why am I not able to forgive myself? And then, you know, you have to let him answer you. There is so much the Holy Spirit wants to help us with. The things in life that we face, the things that are difficult and the things that we don't even understand. And, and yet God has given us the Holy Spirit for that. In John chapter 14, I'm going to read some scriptures. I'll give you the scripture references. They'll come up, but I'm going to read them out of the Amplified Bible because I remember as a young believer reading this. And this is when I began to realize that, man, there's somebody awesome living inside of me now. Once I gave my life to Christ and I found this and, you know, uh, every believer ought to have an Amplified Bible. I mean, I'm just telling you. Here it is. John chapter 14. We're going to read verses 16 and 17. Verse 16 says this. And as we do this, as we read it in your Bible, it's going to say helper. Okay. This is going to be a little different. So here it is, the Amplified. John 14, 16. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another comforter. And then in parentheses, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby, that He may remain with you forever. Isn't that awesome? This is part of the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. How incredible. And then verse 17, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Welcome, take to its heart, because it does not see Him or know and recognize Him. But you know and recognize Him, for He lives with you constantly and will be in you. Isn't that awesome? So not only is He counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standbyer, He's Spirit of truth. We can rely on that. Jump down to verse 26. John 14, 26. But the comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, uh, strengthener, standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Listen to this. In my place to represent me 
and act on my behalf. Isn't that awesome? He will teach you all things and He will cause you to recall, will remind you of, bring to your remembrance everything I have told you. I mean, no wonder the, Holy, the enemy wants to keep us from understanding the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because if we get unleashed to this, then he's doomed. John chapter 15, verse 26. John 15, 26. <clears throat> but when the comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby, comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who comes, proceeds from the Father, he himself will testify regarding me. Why? Because they're all one. John 16, 7. And this is the one that I read. And we read that earlier. You know. When Jesus said to them, it's to your advantage that I go away, because if I go away, I'll send the comfort. Here it is in the Amplified. However, I am telling you nothing but the truth when I say it is profitable, good, expedient, advantageous for you that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby, will not come to you into close fellowship with you. But if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. Isn't that awesome? This is the God who's living inside of us. And for you to tell me that you can't do something is a lie from the pit of hell. Yes, you can. Now, I'm very practical. That means I know you can't do everything, but whatever is before you, whatever God has called you to, He enables you to do it. And then we're going to close with John 16, 13. A few verses down. John 16, 13. But when He, the Spirit of truth, the truth-giving Spirit comes, He will guide you into all truth, the whole truth, <coughs> excuse me, full truth, for he will not speak his own message on his own authority, but he will tell you whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that has been given to him and he will announce and declare to you the things that are to come that will happen in the future. And I say all that to say this. God really loves you. He really loves us. And he forgives us. And if you struggle with being forgiven, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Because we need to understand God has given us the power of the Holy Spirit to be forgiven and to know it. Stand with me if you will, please. Father, we're so grateful for the love that you have for us and we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his willingness to do what you called him to do, that we could be loved, that we could be forgiven and that we know that we are forgiven and that we would walk in the power of the forgiveness that comes from Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that in the hours and days and weeks and months and years to come that you would stir within us 
the understanding that we are forgiven. And Father, when we begin to doubt it and question it, may we turn to You and may the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth Himself, speak to us that we are. Not because of who we are, but because of Your love and because of Jesus' sacrifice. We thank You for this. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And amen.